Let's explore what it means to be, quote-unquote, holy. Holy on God's terms, not our own terms. 1 Peter chapter 1, I'll begin in verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all of your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Holiness. What exactly is that, right? We're going to talk about that. We're going to give a definition and work down through these passages. Also want to talk about holiness and identity. Holiness is an identity issue. Holiness is an identity marker that marks you out as being one with the Holy One. So we'll talk about the Holy One and who we are in Him. And then holy in all of our behavior. What would that include? It says, be holy in all of your behavior. That's pretty extensive when you think about it. Do you think God has something to say about every aspect of our lives and how we're to live them? Yeah, it's a pretty big realm. Sometimes what happens because, you know, the church has historically separated itself from the Jewish people and from the Torah. They had to recreate holiness. They had to define it for themselves in a vacuum, so to speak. Yeah, there's plenty of stuff in the New Testament. Yes, granted. But two-thirds of the definition, two-thirds of the meaning is in the Old Testament. And we're, we're called to be Bible believers. Not Old Testament news. Bible believers. Both, right? It's a whole. And that's where we get our context for what it means to be holy. So let's start with a definition. Holy. This phrase we just read you shall be holy for I am holy, it's actually found five times, five times in the Torah and in one book. Guess what book it is? Give you a cue. It's the book that has the holiness code, Leviticus. It's correct, Leviticus. Five times in Leviticus. Let's look at one of those passages, Leviticus chapter 19, one through two. Keep in mind, Peter, the Jewish apostle, writing to not only Jewish believers, but Gentiles, is actually calling both Jews and Gentiles in Messiah to live a holy life. And he's quoting from this book. He, he's quoting from Leviticus. He's steering us and reorienting us back to where this definition's given. This is where it all begins. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God am holy. You know what the church does most of the time when we talk about holiness? See, see what it does is it engages the law of God. And what, what does the church say? Oh, Jesus nailed that to the cross. We're free from that. Free from holiness? Really? Think about that for a moment. It doesn't even make sense. 
No, he didn't nail the Torah to the cross. He got nailed to the cross. Nailing the law doesn't do anything for us. Giving us a license to sin is not redemption. He redeems us from sin, empowers us to live in the context of holiness. So he quotes from Leviticus. Other times what what, um, teachers will do within the church is they'll say, well, you know, those laws were for Israel. If you read it, it's, it's always referring to Israel. E- even this passage, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the congregation of the sons of Israel, the people of Israel. It's for Israel, not us. What are you then? What are you, right? Who are you if you're not Israel? Some other nation? Are there two olive trees? right? Are there, no, a maple tree and an olive tree, right? Does God have two wives? Sounds like a bigamist. I don't think so. Now, what we're, what we're talking about here is redemption started with Israel. He says, it's through Israel that I'm going to redeem the world. Salvation's of the Jews, and it's to the Jew first, and then also to the Gentile. So he deals with Israel first. And here's the sizzle. The Gentiles are nothing outside of Messiah. The Gentiles outside of the Jewish Messiah are lost. And when they bow their feet to the line of the tribe of Judah and get saved, they're grafted into the Jewish olive tree of Israel. They become partakers with Israel in the covenants of promise. And those laws that we say are for Israel are for us now because We're grafted into Israel. We participate with Israel in this great redemption. I was going to do a mic drop. I don't have a mic. So he says, speak to the people of Israel. Another way to phrase this is speak to those who I have saved out of Egypt. Speak to the redeemed, right? You shall be holy. For the Lord your God, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Leviticus 20 and verse 26. Thus you are to be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the peoples to be mine. I've set you apart from the other nations to be for me a holy nation. Leviticus 21 and 8, you shall consecrate him, therefore, for he offers the food of your God. He shall be holy to you, for I, the Lord, who sanctifies you, am holy. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44. I'm not giving you the context because I don't have time. So go back, you can read the context of these passages during the week. I will give you this context. It's the dietary laws. It's the dietary laws. For I, the Lord your God, consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. You shall not make yourselves unclean with any of the swarming things that swarm on the earth. It's interesting. It's actually found two different times within the dietary laws. God's saying, hey, I'm holy. You need to be holy too. And he's talking about what we can eat and what we cannot eat. Yeah, he's engaging us. 
I'll get down to the meaning of, of holy and how to become holy in just a moment. But it includes everything in our life. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 45. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Thus you shall be holy, for I am holy. So the word holy in Hebrew is kodosh. kodosh. It's a noun. And it means to be distinct from that which is common. To be different from the common. Sin is part of the common. It permeates humanity and its way of life. Holiness is the opposite of sin. And it's actually a way of living, a lifestyle. So being holy means to be different from all the commoners, if you will, right? It means to be different from the world in which we live. It's permeated with sin. That's the common. Don't be like the common. Don't be like the average person. Don't be like the nations. I am the Lord your God. I am holy. Therefore, you shall be holy. You're, I'm calling you to be separate and distinct and different from everyone around you. So how do you think he's going to do that? How do you think he's going to accomplish it? Because really, he's the one that makes us holy, right? He makes us holy. So what makes us different? His commandments. His ways. And when you take two-thirds of the book and throw it to the side, you're going to miss a big chunk of holiness in your life. See, we're not to define holiness. We're to line up with what God has already defined as holy. God is the one that makes us holy. Through faith in his son, he causes us to be born of his spirit and he makes us holy. And then he sets us apart and gives us a way of living so that we become different from everyone around us. Now, the world wants you to be just like them. The pressure is to be just like everyone else. You can't be different. Try to be different. Man, they're going to stone you. They're going to take you out. So today in our world, everyone's trying to blend in and, and just be accepted. We all want to be accepted. God's saying, hey, stand out. Be my kids. Be like me. It's an identity issue. I'm holy, you be holy. So when they look at you, they say, oh yeah, you're part of that holy one, the holy one of Israel. We know who you are. Yeah, because they see it. They should be able to see it. So to be holy in all of our ways, means to live in light of his instructions. It's his instructions that set us apart and make us distinct. Now, when God says, I am the Holy One, what's he saying? He's saying, hey, there's no other one like me. There, there are not other holy gods. I am unique and set apart from all the other gods. I am El Elyon, God Most High. I'm over all the gods, and I'm different from them. I am the Holy One. He is the Holy One, and he identifies himself with his people. He'll go on to say, I'm the Holy One of Israel. Why? 
because he called them to himself. He saved them out of Egypt. Therefore, they become holy ones like him. Another word for that is saint. We get the English word saint for that. We are saints. Born again, we become saints, holy ones. And then we're to line up a lifestyle that relates and expresses and reflects holiness on his terms. So holiness is an essential part of his nature. If you believe in Jesus, you too are holy. You are holy ones. It's who you are. Therefore, you and I were to be holy in every aspect of our life. Now I know, because we're messianic, sometimes we think we have a corner on the truth. Oh, we know God's instructions, and we kind of reduce them down to three areas, three important areas, but it's a reduction nonetheless. The Sabbath, the festivals, and the dietary laws. But let me tell you, those are important. I'm not going to diminish those. But there's even more than that. He has lots of instructions that relate to holiness in a lot of different areas. And so, you know, we need to step into that, allow God to give light in our life concerning that, and line up with that. Uh, you know, God has a lot to say. So let me just go on before I, I don't want to, don't even egg me on. So we're to be holy in all of our behavior. That would include religion. A lot of religions out there. God says, I want your religion to be different than all other religions. I want your spirituality to be different than the spirituality around you. You know, we, we start off with the first command. That we're to worship God and Him alone. No other gods, right? All other gods are forbidden. All of, our, all of our ways in which we worship other gods cannot be repackaged and offered back up to God either. That's paganism, right? We're to worship God and God alone. God has to say a lot to say about what it means to be holy in your diet. Dietary issues are an issue of holiness. He engages us in terms of holiness through eating. So that every day, every time we eat, we're engaged with this concept of being wholly different. I can't eat this, I can't eat that, you know. I don't know, I don't fly anymore. Kind of boycotted the airlines when they decided we had to wear masks. Stupid. I, I shouldn't even say that, right? But it is stupid. On a plane, breathing, you think the little cloth mask is going to do anything. Anyway, but I remember back in the day when I used to fly a little bit more. Man, they come down and they'd ask you, you know, what you wanted to eat. And you had it, uh, Muslims and Jews all, you know, trying to sort out kosher food. And then you, you could always tell the unbeliever or the Christian. It's like, yeah, what, what's the most exotic, nasty thing that you could possibly eat? Give me two of those. And that's called freedom somehow. We call that freedom. That's not freedom. Okay? God says, I want to engage you. I want to show you a new way of eating. I want to give you a diet that's not only wholesome and healthy, it's going to make you different than those around you. Why? Because I want you to be different. Even in what you eat, I want you to be different. And it becomes this daily experience through diet of holiness. What about sexuality? Oy vey. So much can be said about that and needs to be said about that. They, they are doing everything they can to undermine our, our children. 
and our parental authority over our children in regards to these very important matters of sexuality. God has a lot to say about sexuality. Let me tell you something. Even Messianic communities will be shocked and rocked if you look into the issues of sexuality, what it means to be male and female, what it means to be a man and a woman, what that looks like. God has a lot to say about that. He has a lot to say about that. Let's not go there. Stay positive. It's the Sabbath. Maybe we'll look at that. Calls us to be holy in how we make wealth, how we handle money. What about holy days? God already has holy days. He has a calendar of holy days. He says, these are my days. They're holy unto me. And then he says, you make them holy. He, he tells us who are his children through faith in Jesus, you take my holy days and you make them holy for yourself. You set them apart. You keep them. You observe them. Why? Because I saved you. I'm holy. I want you to be holy like me. Let me give you just the Sabbath and uh, I know we know this quite well, but uh, it's something we need to revisit because it's always being undermined. Leviticus 23, 1 through 2. The Lord spoke again to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them. Now I want to say again, uh, sons of Israel, children of Israel, people of Israel. Who's that referring to? All of you in Messiah. Jews and Gentiles in Messiah comprise the Israel of God. Even the broken off branches that don't believe are still called Israel. And God says, and I'm able to graft them back in if they repent and embrace my son as Messiah. But the Israel of God is a covenant group of people who through faith in the Messiah are a part of his family. That's Israel. He says, speak to Israel, speak to my children, saying, the Lord's appointed times, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations. My appointed times are these. God says, I have appointments on my calendar to meet with you. I have time that I've set apart. I made it holy. How do you make something holy? You set it apart and you restrict its use for something that's spiritual. Okay? So the utensils in the temple are the same ones you have in your kitchen at home. The ones that make the ones in the temple holy is that you set them aside and you use them only in the temple for the sacrifices. That's what makes them different than the ones you use in the kitchen. You've restricted that for a particular use. God says, I've done that with days. I got common days, and then I've taken days, set them apart, and made them holy. Yeah. My appointed times are these. Now listen, this is so important. You shall not only uh, uh, proclaim them, my appointed times, you shall not only publish my calendar for my people, these are also to be proclaimed as holy convocations. Convocation? When's the last time you heard that word? What's a convocation? What's it mean to convocate? Assemble, gather together. You have to corporately gather together. It's part of the command of how you keep the Shabbat. It's not just a rest day. It's not just, oh, I'm taking the day off and resting. No, it's a day in which you gather together with believers to worship God, be receive instructions from God, to fellowship. Yeah, 
These are holy convocations. These are the times in which I've called you to come out of your homes, gather together, enter into fellowship, worship, meet with me. Ready? Verse 3. Here's the first one. First one. For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest, a holy convocation. You shall not do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all of your dwellings. Six common days and one holy day. Six common days to do all that you need to do. Go do all your stuff, even fun stuff. But on the Sabbath, that day is holy for 24 hours. I always say 25 because you need about 30 minutes on both ends to kind of like open it and close it. You want to get that full punch, right? Yeah. 24 hours, Friday sunset to Saturday sunset. It's holy to the Lord. The Lord says, this is holy to me. It's my day. It's my holy day. Is he the Lord? Then we would call that the Lord's day. It's the Lord's day. Shabbat, Saturday, not Sunday. Sunday was never referred to as the Lord's day in all of the scriptures. You can look all you want. Go look. It's not there. The Lord's day has always been Shabbat. It's holy unto him. And he says, now that I've saved you and redeemed you and made you my own, I want you to make the Sabbath holy for you and your family. I want you to do what I've done because you now are part of my family. Let me give you three reasons why we keep the Shabbat. Number one, it's a memorial to God as creator. When we observe the Shabbat, we're proclaiming that our God, the God of Israel, is the creator of all things seen and unseen. It transcends people groups. It transcends religion. We're talking about the creator that created all things seen and unseen. We find that in Exodus 20 and verse 11. He says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, right? And then he says, for in six days, here's the reason why. Why? Why do I want you to do this as my children? For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. <clears throat> it's a memorial to him as the creator. We get to Deuteronomy and we have a little bit of a shift and an additional reason given for why we're to keep the Sabbath. When that Sabbath command is given again in Deuteronomy, notice how it changes in terms of an additional reason to keep it. Verse 15, Deuteronomy chapter 5. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. It's a memorial to redemption. We're, we're, we're proclaiming in our Sabbath keeping. Our God is the creator. Our God is the savior of the world. He's the redeemer. Creator, redeemer. Yeah. Do you think God wants that proclaimed in the world? Do you think he wants to reveal himself as the creator and the redeemer of, of all of us? Of course. He does that through us. He engages us in this proclamation of who he is. And then finally, we have a memorial to God as the sanctifier. He's the one that sanctifies us. It's the verbal form of kadosh. 
Kaddish. It, it, it's actually, it's, um, it, it, it's, it's a verb that gives us an action idea, okay? So God makes us holy. He sets us apart through his commandments. So this is a memorial to him as the one who sanctifies us, who makes us holy. Exodus 31, I'll begin reading in verse 12. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, but as for you, speak to the sons of Israel saying, you shall surely observe my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. This is a sign between us. T tell them they're to observe these Sabbaths. Why? Because it's an identity marker. Marks you out as the Israel of God. It connects you with the Holy One of Israel. This is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. I'm the Lord who sanctifies you. Do you know you can sanctify things? Do you know the pagan religions sanctify all their stuff? They have sacred space. They have sacred things. They have sacred days that they observe. You can make your own sacred days. You can set aside time that you devote to God, and that becomes sacred and holy unto who? You. You're the one that made it. You're the one that made it. God says, you know, I'm the one who sanctified time. It's holy. If you embrace mine, you'll experience me as your sanctifier versus yourself as your sanctifier. I don't know if you remember in Psalms, I think it may be Psalm 100, but David makes the point. He is God, not we ourselves. We're the sheep, not the shepherd. Yeah. What does that mean? It means we don't get to make up the commandments. We don't get to sanctify things. He does. Because he's God, not we ourselves. So God gave us these important holy days. He gave us the weekly worship day. This is the day that we worship on week in and week out. When we talk about holiness and what that means, we look to Jesus. Because Jesus is an expression of the holiness of God. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. So let's look to Jesus. What day did Jesus keep as holy? The first day, Sunday, or the seventh day, Shabbat? Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Jesus traveled to Nazareth, where he had grown up. On the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as he always did and stood up to read. Jesus went to church on Shabbat, week in and week out. This is his habit, his custom. He's the one who came and kept his father's commandments as a role model for us, not only to fulfill righteousness, but to give us you know, a picture of what it looks like to live holy lives in the context of holy days. This is the seventh day. It's holy unto the Father, and the Son modeled that for us. Can you worship on other days? Of course you can. Absolutely. Just don't skip the Shabbat. Those other days are common days. You can do all kinds of things. 
The seventh day is holy unto the Lord, and he's called us to make it holy unto ourselves. Again, you cannot make a, you cannot make holy a day that is common. If God says it's common, you can't change that. If God says it's holy, you can't change that. Why? Because he is God, not we ourselves. So in conclusion and application, God alone is the Holy One. He makes us holy through faith in his Son and a subsequent new spiritual birth. We become holy ones of the Holy One of Israel. The Torah is a framework for a way of life that makes the holy ones distinct from others. It doesn't save us. We don't do these things in order to be saved. We do these things because we are saved. We do these things because they're holy and he's holy and he said, do the holy things. This is why we do. Do we do them perfectly? Of course not. No one ever does them perfectly. Jesus did. We're learning. We're growing in that. Why do we do that? It's who we are. It's an identity marker. We live holy lives because it identifies us as being part of the Holy One's family. The Sabbath is a clear marker that we are His and He is ours. It is a sign. Got to watch out for the mark of the beast. Who cares? I've got the sign of God. Right? I'm marked by God. It's belonging to Him. And there's more than just the Sabbath that becomes an identity marker, by the way. There's there's more than that. But God's engaging us, inviting us, filling us with His holiness. And it gives us identity. Identity that is tied into His identity. I want to encourage everyone, never ever settle for a substitute of what God defines as holy. Everything else is less. Everything else is diminished. Never accept that. Go for the genuine. Go for what God has given to us. It will change your life forever. Shabbat shalom.